The secret things for the first readers of Deuteronomy and for all of us today include our futures, which God alone knows. Heavenly Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will open our hearts and our minds to your word and our hearts, your word to our hearts and our minds. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as we've been hearing, there's much to uh, celebrate tonight. And of course, we must thank God for the remarkable results of the gift week uh, and for the vision and generosity of the uh, folk uh, who've contributed to that one point, well over 1.1 million pounds. And that means we must thank God for his answering our prayers for the church to grow over the next five years to 2,000 by giving us this challenge of St. Joseph's. Uh, yes, we are at a fork in the road, that the metaphor we've been using, so we must thank God for giving us hearts and minds and wills to choose uh, to make sacrifices, which I know will have been, me been made. Uh, for the right, not the wrong road at this particular fork. We do need to be aware, however, that the road ahead will be tough. But thank God, it seems we're on that right road while moving forward, aware of the difficulties. Uh, nor should you be surprised at difficulties. I was um, reminded recently of the words of Hudson Taylor, uh, the great missionary to China, who once said, every great work... Uh, of God is first impossible, then difficult, then done. So may I change the metaphor from a fork in the road to winning Wimbledon, of uh, which uh, some of us are familiar, uh, and um, not to win it, but uh, <laughs> to watch others trying to win it. Um, we're now in the middle of that, of course. Last year, there were huge, huge celebrations at Andy Murray winning his semi-final with a chance to win the first British Wimbledon uh, and to be the first British Wimbledon champion since 1936. But sadly, he lost in the final to Federer. Now the point is this, that right uh, fork, or in Jesus' terms, that narrow road, requires perseverance and continual faithfulness. Similarly, a semi-finalist has to go on to win the final. So tonight, we must celebrate really as semi-finalists, uh, not finalists. And that's why I want us to look at that last verse uh, of um, Deuteronomy 29, chapter 29. Perhaps you'll turn um, in your Bibles to that, page 171, uh, because it is relevant to the situation uh, we are in now, Deuteronomy uh, 29, uh, verse uh, 29. And if you want an outline of where we're going, you've got that on the back of uh, your service sheets and space to jot a few notes if you want to. And you'll see that my headings tonight are very simply uh, the three parts of that verse. First, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Secondly, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And thirdly, that we may follow all the words of this Lord. So first, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. Let me begin by giving you the context 
of this uh, uh, phrase here in the book of Deuteronomy. Forty years earlier, the people of God had been at a fork in the road on their journey uh, from Egypt and captivity in Egypt uh, to the Promised Land. They had been at Mount Sinai where Moses had given them the Ten Commandments. Uh, they then moved to, moved to Kadesh Barnea in the desert, which was uh, a little south of the Promised Land. Moses had there said, as you read in Deuteronomy 1, verse 21, See, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up, take possession as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has told you. Do not fear or be dismayed. So the people wanted to send in uh, 12 spies, <clears throat> first of all. And they went, uh, and they returned saying, this is Deuteronomy 1, verse 25, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. But they did fear, and uh, they were dismayed. And all, apart from uh, two of the twelve, that was Caleb and uh, Joshua, were negative. They said the people of the land were too strong for them to conquer, so the people of Israel generally murmured, uh, and murmuring is the biblical word for grumbling and being negative at, uh, the, against the Moses', Moses leadership and God's good plans for them. Uh, they said it would be much better to have stayed uh, in Egypt. And what was the result? Well, for this faithless disobedience, all these people lost everything instead of trusting and obeying God and winning all. They then had 40 more years of the same dreary experience of wandering in the wilderness, but now with no hope uh, of escape. For God decreed that only Caleb and Joshua would enter the promised land. They were the two spies who were willing to face the challenges, to trust and obey God, and to move forward. None of this negative generation, the original escapees from Egypt, would enter, but only their children. So now this younger generation, after 40 years of their parents' aimless wandering, are themselves preparing to enter the land. But how does Moses prepare them for what lies ahead? Well, Deuteronomy tells us his main way is to remind them of God's laws that already had been given. Uh, he's not in Deuteronomy giving new laws so much as underlining old ones, uh, which are God's will for his people. And he's saying that if they trust and obey God, their future will be good. If they disobey, it will be bad in all sorts of ways. As you read uh, in uh, 29, we read, uh, uh, or earlier than we started, but verse 9, carefully follow the terms of this covenant so that you may prosper in everything you do. But 29.19, as we heard, says that to make sure there is no one who says, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. For, as uh, he adds, this will bring disaster on the watered land as well as on the dry. Well, that's the context for this verse 29. To understand verse 29, therefore, you need to go back to that fork in the road 40 years earlier at Kadesh Barnea. And you need to realize that this younger generation has, so to speak, to go back in their minds 40 years to where their parents were, exactly uh, like they themselves are now, and not make the same mistake uh, again. 
their parents thought that they could predict the future and it would be all fearful and dismaying. They weighed up the pros and cons as they saw them and said, we can't do it. But God had told them to do it and to go in and meet all the challenges. For he knew, God knew, that with him they could do it. Now all this obviously relates to us here at JPC because we've had, in effect, a Kadesh Barnea moment. We should therefore be celebrating tonight because with a challenge ahead, that is pretty daunting. Corporately, as expressed through our giving, we are saying we want to be like Caleb and Joshua. We're not wanting to be like the other ten. We're not saying the problem is so great, let's not waste our money. So what then does Moses say to this younger generation about to cross over into the promised land so as to not make the mistake their parents did? Well, um, and this obviously applies to us, he says in verse 29, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. You see, Moses is countering the faithlessness of the previous generation who thought they knew the future better than God. He says God, Moses is saying here, that God alone knows the future. And uh, that, by the way, is why he knows what is best for you individually in your future and me and mine. So always trust and obey him. And uh, he knew, God knows, that what was best for that older generation. But those people were like the man in verse 19 who said, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way and not God's. However, they were now learning how wrong they were about the future and not going God's way. Far from having a safe future, they had 40, they've had 40 years of aimlessness and now virtually no future. So these secret things in the first instance were referring to the future, to what will happen in the promised land or in terms of our metaphor, uh, the final match of the championship. And that is something secret to God alone. He alone knows. The people about to enter the promised land did not nor could they know. And their job, as ours now is, was not to worry about the future, but to make sure that they were faithful to what they did know. Namely, all the things Moses, on God's behalf, was revealing to them. And uh, particularly, he's been telling them, in Deuteronomy, they were not to conform to the paganism of their new world. In that way, they would have a good future. And as I say, all that so applies to us. For the number one thing, as we think about the future, are not new structures of working, important as those are. It's being faithful to what God and our founders have called us to at JPC. And that's an old challenge. And that is to be a central point for the maintenance and promulgation of sound scriptural and evangelical truth, as is in that trust deed. The alternative is to drift away from our scriptural moorings, as sadly a number of Christians in the West, uh, under pressure from the pagan world, seem sometimes to be doing. So as we prepare for a new future, we must keep alive that vision of godly living, church growth and changing Britain uh, in the light of that uh, sound scriptural and evangelical truth, with all those dimensions uh, important. So. The secret things for the first readers of Deuteronomy and for all of us today include our futures which God alone knows. In passing though, let me say that of course the truth of that 
verse has a much wider application because the secret things refer to much more than God's foreknowledge of the future. This younger generation needed to realize that as well. So do we. Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9 explains the issue. There God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And if you keep that in mind, that helps you understand why there will always be secret things and mysteries about God and his nature and man and human nature uh, that you will not understand. Such as, for example, why does God grant you free choice so that you can choose wrongly and suffer as did those older Israelites? And uh, there are scores of such questions that uh, people have. But they are secret things that belong uh, to the Lord. And that brings us, therefore, to our second heading. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. And there are three things about this clause you must understand. First, uh, the word but is important. For not all is secret. Now, agnosticism over some secret things is inevitable and necessary, as we've just seen. But because some people see the need for agnosticism... Uh, they are, in, in some areas, they're agnostic about everything. They seem to think that if God existed and was worth following, he would reveal everything. And so they irrationally ignore what he does reveal and they suffer accordingly. It's a bit like saying I won't use my computer because I have not been taught all I want to know about it. And so I refuse to learn what's been uh, revealed in a simple get started instruction booklet. Well, that's not clever, that's foolish. The but then is important. Secondly, therefore, we must thank God for all the things that are revealed. Moses has spent 29 chapters revealing God's will for so many areas of life. And that is what this younger generation needed to hear. And not least, they needed to hear how the wealth of the promised land, once they'd settled down and got rich, could seduce them away from their simple faith in the true and living God, even though at this point they're like uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua. You read about that in chapter 8 particularly. Because this world they were entering was a dark place in so many ways, but so is ours today, and that's why Moses' warnings are relevant to us. The one thing that is almost universally believed is that the world as it is is not the world as it ought to be. But what is wrong with the world? That is the question. And uh, many moderns say the problem comes from society, or babies are born good, but they get damaged by their upbringing. By contrast, the alternative view was classically put, some of you know this, by G.K. Testerson in a famous letter to the Times newspaper in a long-running cor correspondence on this very question, what is wrong with the world? Uh, he said this, sir, what is wrong with the world? I am yours truly, G.K. Chesterton. And that, of course, was Jesus' view. He was just echoing Jesus' view. Mark 7, 21, 22, Jesus said, From within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. So how we all need guidance from outside for the fundamental issues of life and existence, and that is what revelation is, and that's what God is revealing to us. Humanly speaking, you can argue for almost anything 
And if you shout long enough, people will believe you. But the good news is that in this darkness, God is light, and today the Bible is fundamental in switching on the light, so to speak, for us. Yes, there is also God's general revelation, God's general revealing for everyone through the natural order. The Old Testament, uh, the psalmist says in the Old Testament, the heavens declare the glory of God. That's Psalm 19, verse 1. And the New Testament agrees that uh, the natural order shows there is an almighty creator. And it teaches that our God also ensures that in every human heart there is some of his moral law along with some awareness of ultimate judgment. But the really good news is God's special revelation and this only is in the Bible and only through the prophets and apostles of the Bible and supremely in Jesus to whom the Bible witnesses. And by the Holy Spirit, the Bible reveals not just God's creative power but also his absolute holiness. And that explains the basic problem as coming from the rejection of God, which is sin. And it explains how a rescue from sin came through Jesus dying on the cross, where he carried all the guilt of those who trust in him uh, as he suffered in their place. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who's, who tonight, perhaps for the first time, needs to trust Christ for that very thing, that forgiveness. Uh, and uh, awareness that Christ is and has died for you on the cross. So how these folk entering into the promised land should thank God for what he had so far revealed uh, of himself and his will at that point in salvation history. And the third thing to understand about this clause is that the things revealed do not only belong to Mosaic times, to the original us, of verse 29. They also refer to our children, as it says, that is the grandchildren of the older generation, and Moses then adds, forever. The biblical revelation expresses timeless truths uh, and timeless promises and commands which are relevant to every generation everywhere. Well, that belongs to our, that comes to our third heading, that we may follow all the words of uh, this law. Let me be brief, and again, just three points. One, the purpose of God's revelation uh, is our following his commands and directions. And uh, we're to follow all the words of God's law. God wants action, for he knows that obeying him is the way to blessing and uh, not obeying him is the way to cursing, as the book of Deuteronomy puts it. Uh, the jargon today for blessing is human flourishing, uh, but real human flourishing that takes God into account. Two, we are to follow all the words of God's law. Now, we're not to pick and choose. Now, to pick and choose is like having some new uh, petrol-driven, at uh, this time of year, garden equipment. So you read the instructions and do most of what you're told to do, but you decide not to mix two-stroke oil uh, in with the petrol because you can't be bothered to get some. And don't be surprised when things go radically wrong because you are disobeying the instructions. And one thing, well, I wonder if there's anyone here tonight who is disobeying in just one area and things are going radically wrong for you. Well, stop doing whatever that is. Seek God's forgiveness and then trust him for your future. 
because this is a word that we should obey all of God's law, not, not just the ones, uh, the bit of it that we like and not the bit we don't like. Hebrews uh, tells us that God's revelation is like this. One, verse 1 uh, of verse, uh, chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Now, of course, God's revelation and law is progressive and it's cumulative. And, of course, much of the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ, as Hebrews, we've been thinking on Sunday mornings, um, uh, was fulfilled by Jesus. And the Jewish nation has been succeeded by a universal worldwide church. But Old Testament principles are still re relevant when interpreted through the New Testament and the teaching of Christ. And certainly you can't pick and choose from those Ten Commandments and the moral law that comes from those commandments. So you are to follow all, not some of the words of this law. And uh, thirdly, they are the words of this law. God's revelation is verbal. That is so important because as we heard in our second reading, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. That's Romans 10 verse 17. Revelation requires us uh, to use our minds and it requires words, not just feelings and warm hearts, which are important, of course they are. The heart is so vital, the Holy Spirit needs to give it new life. But you can't bypass the Bible, a book of words. Uh, four of us uh, were at a clergy conference this week and one of the speakers had a very good illustration of how words are essential for meaningful human communication and relationships. His illustration was a dog, uh, which, you, which when, when you've, uh, you get in after you've been away, looks at you uh, with sad but welcoming eyes. And it seems that the dog is almost human. But supposing the dog looked at you, opened his mouth and said, have you had a good day? <laughs> Your relationship with that creature would change dramatically. But that is as it is with God. And so the question is, are you letting God speak to you by his word? So, in conclusion, thank God for his word in Christ, who is witnessed to by the Holy Spirit, through the words of the Bible. We should be celebrating that always, and certainly tonight. And as we prepare for a new future, pray that we may continue to maintain and promulgate sound scriptural and evangelical truth and all that means in terms of godly living church growth and changing bread as we travel down this new road and as we hold to this truth here that the secret things belong to the lord our god but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law let's pray Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you for your word incarnate, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will make him more real to each one of us here tonight. Amen.